or your dump phone or whatever it is that you have to read the scriptures, I would encourage you to open to Psalm chapter 103. We're not going to read the entire chapter this morning, but if you have time later to look at it, it really is a letter about God's love, how he began in Israel. And time after time after time, he proved his love. He stayed with them, and his love was steadfast through some of their darkest moments. We're just going to focus on a few passages in the middle of that chapter. So Psalm 103, verses 11 through 18, is what we're going to focus on this morning, um, starting with verse 11 of Psalm 103. And then while you get that section, you also could turn to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to read a couple of the most amazing verses in the Bible from Ephesians chapter 3 starting with verse 17. So keep your fingers there, and of course it's on the screen if you so want to follow there. But Psalm 103, beginning with verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field, and the wind blows it over and it's gone, and place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. And then Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, of course, Paul is writing again about this amazing, incredible love of God, and he says these words. He's praying for us, and he prays that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that his love surpasses knowledge, that you might be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. I don't want you just to read over those scriptures and say, oh, they sound nice. Uh, I want us to, like Paul, have this prayer and desire in our life that goes something like this. He says, it is my prayer for you that you would be rooted and established in love. Not that you feel it, Not that you know about it necessarily, although we can do those things. He said, I want you to be anchored. I want there to be a foundation. I want God to have something to build upon that you would be rooted and locked in and honed in, focused in on God's love in your life. So that, follow his words, you can have the power to grasp what I'm about to tell you about how much he loves. Amazing words that Paul uses, and then he ends that passage, and it's one of those, like, what moments? He says, I want you to know his love that surpasses knowledge. That's one of those heads, I don't know how you read the scripture, but it's like, huh? You're praying that I know something that surpasses my ability to know? Uh, This is intriguing, this is interesting, this is confusing, this is strange and difficult invitation that Paul asks us to be a part of. But he wants us to have the power to grasp how much God really loves us. What a beautiful prayer that is for each of us. That we could have the power to know, to feel, and to sense how much 
he really loves us. Paul is praying that a finite creature could have the power and capacity to understand the love of an eternal, forever God. Now, I think this morning we all know to some measure and level that God loves us. Amen? I think we all believe that God loves us. I don't think there's anyone here this morning that says God hates me. I think sometimes we wonder if God's against us or if God is on our side or if he's forgotten about us or he's, you know, taking a nap somewhere. Uh, I don't read any of that being true in Scripture, but we, we all know to some level how much God loves us. Do we, do we grasp it the way that Paul is trying to teach us in Ephesians chapter 3 and the psalmist wrote in 103? I'm not sure I'm quite there yet. But Paul says you can have the power in your life to understand. And may the Lord help us get to that place even this morning. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, this morning I just pray that you would just come into this sanctuary this morning. Into the heart and soul. Into the spirit of each one who is here. Lord, come into those difficult places in our life where we feel alone, where we feel hurt, where we feel anger, where we doubt, where we just long for more. Lord, whatever it is that we feel this morning, I pray that you would meet us right there. Help us, Lord, to have the power in our life to grasp, as Paul prayed, how much God truly loves us. And how that changes the way we live and our perspective and, and our future and our present, Lord. It, everything changes when we grasp how much God truly loves us. And Lord, we, we grasp at a lot of things. Relationships, possessions, jobs, friends, Retirement accounts. Lord, it's, it's everywhere, all around us. And if we think we get the next thing or the next place or the next promotion or whatever it is that, that we'll be happy and we'll be fulfilled and we're just going to keep on grabbing at things until we grasp hold of the one who died for us. And I just pray, Lord, this morning in our few moments together that you would give us the power to grasp how much you truly love us. And we will praise you forever and ever. So what is the love of God like? How will you know it when it's there? Can you see it? Can you sense it? Can you taste it? I taste it every Sunday morning when Virginia brings me my cookies. I taste something along the lines of God's love throwing through her. What is your level of love detection this morning? Does it feel far away? Does it seem beyond the realm of comprehension? Is it close and precious and true and deep and abiding in your life? What is your level of love detection? What is your level of love experience in your life this morning? Paul shared in these passages, shared four ways that God loves us. They're, they're, they're incredibly difficult 
to fully comprehend and fully describe because it's talking about God after all, right? Shouldn't that be the way it is when we talk about a characteristic of God that it's just a little bit above our IQ level? (laughs) Yet Paul says, I want you to know it. I want it to be a part of you. So there's four things we want to share this morning about God's love. The first thing we want to share is that God's love is wide enough to be everywhere. Now the Bible says that he's taken away our sins as far as the east is from the west. From the east to the west you could travel in any direction. And God's creation, would you ever get to the end? Not that we know of. We have the most advanced technology in all of history. And the, the, the greater our ability to see out into the heavens continues to overwhelm us how far and wide and deep and long God's creation really is. And there appears to be no end. But the Bible says that God is the beginning. He is now the great I am and he is the one who will always be. And there is no end to the love of God. There is nowhere we can go in our life where God's love will not be. There is no place you can go in your life where God's love will not be present. There is no feeling that you can have in your heart right now where God's love isn't real. Now, we may not know that it's there, and we may not feel that it's real, and we may not be aware of how much He loves us, but the fact of the matter is, no matter where you go, there He is. There's not a place we can go in our life. There's not an emotion that we can feel in our life, but that God's love isn't there for us. And I can't tell you how many people I've met in my life where they say this phrase, I just don't think God loves me. I just can't feel him. I just can't sense him. He seems so far away. I think he's forgotten about me. I think he's moved on to someone else. And the Bible says that God's love is wide enough to be everywhere, to be anywhere, and He's there exactly where we need Him to be. My favorite verse is probably in all the Scripture from Psalm 139, and the psalmist wrote these words about God. He said, You have searched me, Lord, and You know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. See, there's another writer saying that God knows, saying that He's there, saying that He never leaves Him, and and He knows it, but yet He says, I can't fully understand it. It is this conundrum that we have in the finite world trying to relate to and understand and live alongside an infinite God. And yet the psalmist says, he knows me. He knows everything about me. He sees everything. He even knows what I'm going to say before I say it. How many times don't we wish that we would have had that foresight that God would have in our own life? But he says he's always there. And he's always going to be there, whether we realize it or not. And then these next words later on in Psalm 139, when I was a kid maybe eight seven eight years old my aunt Susie had us a lot during the summers and one of those summers she was um, teaching us about how much God loves us and we were talking about this chapter and she got a big jar and we went to the beach and we we filled that jar up with sand and she put these verses on a card attached to that jar 
And these verses in Psalm 139, 17 and 18 say these words. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. For when I awake, I am still with you. And the love of God will go anywhere. He will go with you through anything. And he will be with you no matter where you are at in your life today. And when we get discouraged and we get down and we get lonely, we feel like God has abandoned us. But the fact of the matter is his love is just as strong and just as real and just as alive and just as present as it's ever been. Think of all the times that David spent running for his life, lonely and afraid and wondering if he goes to bed in that cave that night if he's ever going to wake up again. And in that scary, lonely, dark place where everyone is out to get him and he may not ever even get the chance to wake up again, he says, God is with me. His love is wide enough to go anywhere that you are. Anywhere that we find ourselves, God is there. And He always will be. Listening to a sermon this week by Pastor Judah Smith. He's a pastor in Seattle. I think the sermon was a couple years old and he was talking about the love of God and our relationship to Him and, and he related it, often Scripture does, to a marriage. God is the initiator and we are the responder. And I love the, I love the way he processed. He says, you know, when, when we pray, we're responding to God. When we worship, we're responding to God. When we praise, we're responding to God. When we, when we do anything in our Christian life, it is because God has initiated a relationship with us. And Paul is saying that I want you to understand that God wants you to know how much he loves you. But you have to be willing to respond to the love that is promised the love that is written about, the love that is given in His Word. And so the illustration goes, in a marriage, do we remain the cold and lifeless one where the other one is trying to love and trying to show respect and attention and affection and we want nothing to do with them and then wonder why we're not happy? God is trying and moving to reach out to initiate that relationship with us. Because his love will go anywhere that we are. Second thing the scriptures tell us about God's love is that it is long enough to last forever. God's love is long enough to last forever. That's a long time, isn't it? Oh, man. Some of you are thinking it's going to be a long time until lunch. Um, but God's love will never end. He's never going to run out of his storehouse of love for you. You ever been in a relationship where the love ran out? There was conflict and things didn't work out the way you thought and love died? We've all found that to one level or another. And the fact of the matter is that it'll never happen with God. It will never, ever happen in our relationship with Him. There's nothing that you and I can ever do or ever will do that will cause God to stop loving us. Amen? There's nowhere we can go. There's nothing we can say. There's nothing we can do to get God from stop loving us. In fact, I think that if anything, He'll love us more. When I was in Bible college and we preached like that, there'd be someone to say, that stands for shouting grounds, and people would stand up and shout. That God will never stop loving us. He will always be loving us, even when we don't want it. Even when we don't even know He's 
there to offer it. Ever had someone walk away from you? God will never walk away. Can you imagine for a minute, you know, when that moment when the emotion of love dies? Can you imagine in the Garden of Gethsemane? Jesus is there and, and, and you know what's happening. The weight and, and the reality of what's about to happen on the cross is just overwhelming him. I mean, it is flooding in like a nightmare. And he goes there and, and he prays this amazingly honest prayer, God, if there's any other way. Let's do it. Tell me what it is. Show me and I'll do it. But nevertheless, Lord, if this is your will, I will go. And he did. But can you imagine if Jesus came that night with all this burden on his heart and he says, you know what, God, I'm just not feeling the love right now. How could you love me? I mean, you're going to have me die on the cross. I, I'm just not feeling the love from you right now. So, so I'm going to go my, my own way now. Or he could have said, you know, it's all those people out there that are making me have to do this. I'm not really feeling the love for them anymore right now. I might still love you, but you know, I'm just not feeling the love right now. So you're going to have to do this salvation thing another way. Aren't you glad that his love lasts forever? <laughs> that he never walks away. He never leaves us. He never misses the chance to give us exactly what we need in our life. Jesus was the greatest example that we could ever or ever will have that, teaching, that teaches us that love is often much more an action than an emotion. If you have any notes, or even if you're not, write that down. Remember that if you don't have anything to write with. Love is more an action than an emotion. Now you watch movies today and you will only hear that love is an emotion. And as long as the affair lasts the love stays, and when it dies, it's over. Our world tells us a lie that is all about what we feel. And the Bible is so much about action and doing. And I'm so grateful that Jesus was our example, that even though he may not have had all the fuzzy emotions, his actions followed through. And because God was willing to give his only son, because he loved us so much that he let his son die, we could have the hope of everlasting life. And you know what Paul says? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from God. ISIS can't separate us from the love of God. Vladimir Putin can't separate us from the love of God. The devil can't separate us from the love of God. Or any, There is not a force on this earth that can stop God from loving us and take his love away. His love will last forever. That's how long it is. Paul says, I just hope that we can get the power to grasp it for a few moments on this earth. But think about eternity. Think about the fact that we're not to enjoy God's love now, but for all of eternity. God's never going to run out of love. And I'm not sure what else to say to that except praise the Lord. That he, the Bible says it this way, God is love. It is who he is, and because it's who he is, because it is the fabric and the very nature of his essence, he can never stop. It will go on for eternity, forever, and all of time we will live and know and experience the love of God as long as we receive and we reciprocate the invitation that he gave us by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. 
God's love is wide enough to be everywhere, to be anywhere. God's love is long enough to last forever. Thirdly, this morning, God's love is deep enough to handle anything. God's love is deep enough to handle anything. Several places in the Bible give this kind of reaction and praise to God where the repentant sinner says, Lord, you pulled me out of the troubled waters and you set my feet on a rock. You pulled me out of the deep and miry cliff and you put me on a place where I can stay. You pulled me out of the pit, you put me on the rock, and there was no other way I was going to get out of there except for you. God's love is deep enough to handle anything. Fiery furnace, no problem for God. Lion's den, no problem from God. Imprisoned, no problem for God. Shipwrecked, no problem for God. Lazarus dead for a number of days, no problem for God. (laughs) Talk about being in the pit. The Bible teaches us a a thorough study that there is no situation that is too hard for God. There is no hopeless cause. There is no, we've gone over the edge and we can never go back. But time after time after time, in my years of ministry, I've heard someone say to me something like, Pastor, I don't think you understand how far I've gone. Pastor, I don't think you understand what I've done or where I've been or you don't understand the way I've lived my life the way, the way I do. You just don't understand that there's no going back. And I try to my best of my ability to understand. Tell me, what's happened? Where has God been? But then, do you know what I tell them? You just don't understand my God the way I do. You just don't understand how much God really loves you. How that he went to the very depths of his soul to give the thing that was the most precious possession that he had, his only son, in order to show you today, tomorrow, and for all of eternity how much he understands and how far he's willing to go and the lengths that he will accomplish in order to redeem you. You just don't understand how much God loves you even in the place that you are. Because God's love is deep enough to handle anything. There's nothing God wants more, in fact, than to reach down into our past and wipe the slate clean. That's where the east is from the west, and you go in one way, you go north or south, northeast or southwest, it doesn't matter which direction you go, you're never going to find it again. Because when God wipes it clean, it's clean. It's done, it's finished. Jesus even said those words on the cross. So the truth of the matter is that God will go anywhere to meet you right where you are, to take you to a place you could never go on your own. God will go to whatever lengths he needs to go to, to meet where you right exactly where you are, so that he can take you to the place that you've never been able to go to on your own. If you'll reciprocate the invitation that he gives by the message of his son. I'm going to go back to that phrase that Paul used in Ephesians chapter 3. He's praying that we know the, the power so that we can grasp the love of God. And then he said that phrase at the end of the passage that we read. He says, I want you to know his love that surpasses knowledge. 
And I got stuck. I'll tell you, I got stuck on that. I was like, how can I know something that I can't know? I mean, it says it right there. I pray that you know what you cannot know. Okay, is this a trick statement here? What are we doing here? And I thought about it, I thought about it, and, and it was, you know, if I was on Facebook, commenting on that verse, I'd have put that big face with the big eyes and the wide open mouth like, whoa, what is this? But I think with the Lord's help, I've been able to understand what God is saying. He says, I want you to have the power to grasp in your heart that God loves you. And when you receive his love, then you'll know what you could have never known in your mind. So what he's saying is you have to grasp with your heart what you can never grasp with your head. And when you grasp it with your heart, then your head gets a clue of what's really there. And sometimes we try to do it all the way around mixed up. And we try to understand it all. And we need to be smart. And we need to think things through. God even said, let's reason together. But we have to try to understand it all and then we'll accept it. And the Bible says that's not the way you do it. You reach out in faith with your heart and you grasp it. That is the power of God when He saves you. The power to grasp hold of Jesus. And when you hold Him and when you know Him, then you have the strength and the power to understand what you could have never understood with your mind before. Now because your heart's in the middle of it, your mind is catching up. I think that's what Paul is trying to say. There is something in the depths of our soul that God has made that allows us to understand eternal things that our minds will never comprehend on this earth. They never will. No matter how much you go to school, no matter how many degrees you are, there are certain things about God and His love that you'll never be able to explain with your mind, but you will know intrinsically in your heart that there is nothing more real and nothing more powerful and nothing more life-changing than the love of God. And then when you know it in your heart, your mind begins, begins, begins to understand. God's love is deep enough to handle anything if we'll grab hold and take handle and take hold of Him. Lastly this morning, His love is high enough to overlook my sin. This is another miraculous part of a pure and holy, awesome God. He's omniscient, He's omnipresent, and every other amazing word and adjective you could conjure up to describe a perfect and holy God, He has provided through His Son Jesus on the cross a way for us to know Him. A way for us to grasp this amazing love that was shown on the cross. And it is at this place of jumping off that many people get stuck. We hear the message. We hear the words. We want to believe it's true. We know in our heart it's probably true. But we just, we just can't take that step. We know we need it. Our hearts are hungry for Him. We just, it was like when I was growing up. My grandparents still own the cabin, but we have a cabin on a river east of Salem. And I floated that and fished that river for miles in every direction. And directly below our cabin across the river was the only sandy spot of beach that I, that I ever saw. And to my knowledge, it's still there. We went there about a year and a half ago. 
And you get there in the summer, usually after a long day of work, and you drive 45 minutes up in the mountains, and it's cool shade everywhere, and the cabin's cool, and the river's down there calling you, and that sandy beach across is like, come and soak up the rays. So we get everything unloaded, and there's nothing we want more just to tear off down there. And so we do. We get everything unloaded. Usually the grandparents were there, and the cousins and a big armada of fables show up, and uh, we have a lot of fun. But we get down to the water, and and that river's cold, man. I mean, it's straight from the mountains. It's not, you know, there's no dam backing it up. It is freezing cold in the middle of August when it's 100 degrees outside. It is cold. And so we get down there, the kids and the grown-ups, and, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at that sandy spot over on the other side. Thinking, oh, man, it'll be great to be over there. And so, we're, you know, we're kind of on the banks of the river like this, like, oh, gosh, I just... I just wish I could be over there laying down in the sand in the sun. And we him and we haw, and, you know, we, we put our feet in the, oh, gosh, that's cold. You know, it hurts all the way up your leg. And most of us just kind of, you know, mess around, and, and we waste a lot of time and energy getting up the gumption to go. And my grandpa, one of the most laid back, he's um, in heaven now for a number of years, laid back, gentle. I can never remember Grandpa Fable ever getting upset, ever getting angry about anything. One time I snuck in his tool shed and he just said, get out. I was about as upset as he ever got, but you know, laid back, but he would come down the river, he would walk up to a spot and bam, he dove in like that. And he'd be the first one over there to that sandy spot. He'd get the best spot in the sun. And as the day wore on, some of the trees would cast shade. Grandpa had his spot in the sun. And we were kind of on the side, you know, trying to stick a leg in or something to get a little bit of sun as the sun started to go down. And he enjoyed that to his fullest. And I thought, Lord, sometimes we're kind of like the rest of us. We're just, we know it's what God is calling us to. As we said last Sunday, we know that we're made for something deeper and something better and something richer than everything that we know right now. And God is calling us to this place of grasping Him fully, surrendering our life to Him and knowing Him with all that we are and following Him no matter where He would call us to go. And for some of us, we're just that hesitant swimmer on the side. Just not quite sure it's going to be worth the risk of going all in. We want the reward, but we just... We're just I think I've met a lot of Christians who just who kind of spend their life like this in the water. Uh, you know, after a while, it, it feels good. You know, the, the, the coolness wears off. And oh, man, I went swimming. No, you didn't. You didn't even wade. You just kind of dipped. I never saw my grandma swim across. She, I think she got up to here one time in the, the spot where I learned how to swim, right there at the, at the bottom of the hill where our steps came down, and that's as far as she ever went. She never got to enjoy that sandy beach. As we got older and we got our gumption, we would get out to the big rock that was about a third of the way across the river, and we'd stand there and, and get as hot as we could stand before we jumped in, which really didn't make any sense because the was colder then. You know, the contrast was crazy, but... It was worth swimming to the other side. That sandy spot was like nothing else on that river. And I was always grateful that I just went down there and tried to follow my grandpa's example and just dove right in. 
And some of my cousins never dove in. They just kind of meandered around on the shore and broke a twig or, you know, walked back up to the cabin and helped grandma with the dishes. And I was like, better them than me. I'm going to be out here having fun. Let's wonder in our lives if, if we've ever dove all the way in with God. That river was cold and it was fast. But I'd seen a whole lot of people cross to the other side and I knew it was safe. And I knew whatever risk it might be calling me to take. God's given us access to this amazing resource, to this amazing relationship that will change us for all of eternity. He's offered everything that we need and everything that we could ever want or dream of and the gift of his son. And this morning, we just have to ask ourselves, have we dove all the way in? And I think we all know the answer to that question. Have we dove all the way in? I can remember after I'd learned how to swim confidently enough to dive into the river and know I wasn't going to drown, standing there and thinking, oh, it's going to be cold. I can't do it. Oh, I see a duck coming down the river. I better wait till it flies by. I mean, every excuse that I could think of to not go in because I knew how cold it was going to be. Oh, there's a fish. I went, you know, I just, that's pathetic. 20 minutes up there, you know, I don't know what my family thought of me just staring into the water and looking around and I can remember times it was like every, any, uh, I need to go make sure I brought my flip-flops, you know, and I'd be up there for half an hour before you were jumping in. I think sometimes we're like that spiritually. We just, every, not today, Lord, I'm busy. I got this going on, Lord, and, and you know, maybe tomorrow. Maybe next Sunday. You know, I, 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 you know this, I'm not sure I'm ready for this. Lord, I'm, are you ready for this? Yeah, child, I'm ready, but I'm not. And so Paul prays for us that we would know this power, this love, that only a follower of Christ can know. I'm going to close this morning with a story from the Vietnam War. American soldiers were doing cleanup, going town to town, street by street, house to house, trying to make sure the enemy was evicted from every place of stronghold in that town. They came around the corner to this group of children crying, and in the middle of this group of children was this young girl, and I don't know if there had been a mortar attack or a bomb had gone off, but she was in really bad shape. And some of the soldiers were medics, and so they ascertained quickly that without a transfusion, this girl would soon die. Obviously, there was a huge language barrier between the Americans and the Vietnamese children, and they somehow were able to tell them that they needed someone's blood in order for her to live. And so this little boy in the back just really tentatively raises his hand and says, me. So they get the little boy all set up and the little girl, and they start the transfusion, and all of a sudden, he starts bawling. I mean, he's shaking, and, and obviously something is really wrong, but there's no way for them to communicate. And a local nurse happened to come upon the troubled scene and there's like, you need to help us. We don't know what's going on if we're going to be able to continue. And so she talks at the boy in his native language and, and she puts his arms on him and, and he calms down. And a smile comes on his face and they're like, what happened? 
what was so wrong that he was so upset? And she said, well, he thought that he was going to have to give all of his blood in order for this girl to live. And he just thought that any moment, the last drop of his blood would have been sucked out of him and he would die. And obviously the joy that he found when he realized that was not the case and that his life would be spared as would be hers. But you know what? There was a man who was willing to give every drop of his blood for you. He knew full well the price that would have to be paid for us to have the ability, the power to grasp the love of God. And he went willingly. At great great personal expense, humiliation, torture, and death. Even in that place where it seemed like to the world that God was lost. Remember they're mocking him? If you're really the son of God, come down. God was a joke to that people in that place. That's how dark it was. If you've ever seen um, The Passion of the Christ, there's a couple of scenes in there where the devil is kind of in the background trying to work all this, thinking he's about ready to win. That's how far away God seems. Yet when Jesus said it is finished, (laughs) a new kind of love was born that will never die. And he was the one who was willing to give his life so that you and I could have everlasting life. You and I have had enough conversations by now, many of us, to know how hard life can be. How hard marriages can be. How hard relationship with your children can be. How hard work environments are and retirement can be and all of the things that you and I face in life, it is, it is troubled waters. And sometimes we may feel like we're on the fastest ship above it all, and other times we may feel like we are six feet under and then some. And the power of Paul's prayer for you and I is that we can know, we can grasp hold of the one who loves us like no one else does. God invites us to to dive in, to jump in, to give it all to Him. And so He asks us, have we gone all in? And I'm not sure there's really another question you and I need to be asking ourselves in this moment than that. In light of all of these things. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, in, in light of all the mercies of God, remember, present yourselves a living sacrifice. Have we gone all in with Jesus? Have we dove in? Have we risked it all? Have we quit making mis- you know, excuses and justifications? Paul says you've got to have the power of Jesus to know the love of God. And may that be our experience this morning as we walk with him. We're going to ask our ushers now to come and Bev's going to play some music. We